When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I am your host, Grace Fowler, and today we are talking about Godzilla. This week's episode is a special one, as I had the opportunity to bring on my first guest. I sat down for a discussion with my younger brother, Jacob, who's a big fan of the Godzilla franchise. So sit back and enjoy this riveting discussion of Godzilla and the post-nuclear world. Welcome to the pod. Um, For everyone listening, this is my younger brother, Jacob. He is joining me today for a little conversation about the Godzilla franchise. Um, And we thought we'd just kind of go through... Not every movie, because there's like quite a few, (laughs) but just go through um, some of the tropes and messages from the overall franchise and kind of the origins of the Godzilla story. Um, But the reason we're talking about this is because, Jacob, you're quite the fan of Godzilla. So you want to kind of tell us about how you got into Godzilla. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't say fan is the right word. I would say I have an obsessive uh, personality and for uh, about two weeks in April, my obsession was Godzilla. So I really ran through the movies. I was uh, lucky enough to review them before coming on this. So a fan, no. Um, admirer of Godzilla as a figure, yes. Okay, okay. so would you say you're a disciple of Godzilla? Yeah, uh, yeah. I follow the church of uh, cool atomic breath and <laughs> breaking Spike, dreams. Spikey. Can I swear? I was going to say fucking... <laughs> You can swear. I'll put the explicit on. (laughs) Godzilla fucks stuff up, which I think is cool. This is the only reason to like Godzilla. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. What would you say are your like favorite? What's your favorite era of Godzilla? Because we have quite a few eras. Yeah. Well, I mean, my favorite out of the whole series doesn't even feature Godzilla. It's the Mothra film from from, uh, the early era. And my favorite uh, American Godzilla is by far the 1996 one because that's the worst one in the whole franchise on Simon Close. So yeah, all all the different eras have something special, which uh, I like. Um, Then the American ones being that they're bad and the Japanese ones being that they're they're interesting pieces of of art. Gotcha. Okay. So the Americans don't do as good of a job with the the franchise. Well, Americans can only make an American movie, you know? Fair. (laughs) which I think we're going to talk a little bit about yeah I do have quite a bit of research for us to go through um Godzilla Mm -hmm. is like quite the um historical I guess he's not historical because he's not real but quite the literary he's real for people like me for (laughs) For the disciples like me he's real (laughs) gotcha well I was wondering if you knew where the name Godzilla came from because I found Um, found out that I only what i found the origin of the name i only know the the fictional like the reason within the movie oh and what's that uh that 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 was the name of a uh a god that they that the fishermen had to sacrifice uh their i think young women too if i'm not (laughs) (laughs) which is why does everyone sacrifice young women that's always the first (laughs) the first option they don't even work their way up to like lambs or anything they just start Um, but no, what's the real, what's the real version? Or the real so version? the direct or the creator of the Godzilla f- film. So in Japanese, it's Gojira. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Gojira. But the word is a combination of the word for gorilla and whale. And they named it because there was a guy who worked at the movie studio who was really big and they would call him Gojira because he was as big as a whale and a gorilla. <laughs> so Godzilla's origin story is fat shaming. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. It's fat. Godzilla's fat phobic confirmed yeah 
Which honestly, Godzilla is canceled. If destroying Tokyo countless times didn't get him canceled, yeah, it, this this does. does Hashtag me. stop Asian hate, Godzilla. <laughs> well, stop all hate, Godzilla. Seems like yeah. He's... Well, I don't know if this gentleman was necessarily like fat. He seems like he was bulky. Like he was a he was like a buff guy. Well, he was a uh, big and large. He, he big and large. <laughs> Yeah, I guess whale isn't Which really... Which is a, a great body type for a man, but maybe not in the 50s, you know? That's true. Yeah, I don't know how much... This is the 50s, so maybe he was just like 5'6". <laughs> it was like 200 pounds, barely. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh my god. <laughs> Look at this tubbo. <laughs> so that's, that's the origin of Godzilla. So the first Godzilla comes out in 1954. And I found this interesting little factoid that when the, when the movie premiered in 1954... 10% of the Japanese population saw it on opening day, which was like and the same millions theater. of people. <laughs> I'm going to say multiple <laughs> theaters. So this was like oh, a big God. cultural event for Japan. And so like, like huge amounts of people saw it on opening day. So I think that that kind of sets the precedent for like why it's important to talk about was even from the beginning of Godzilla's origin has had a big impact. And, and now, as we've seen, as you've mentioned with the American movies, right, has now spread to be kind of like an international franchise. So Godzilla has quite the reach. <laughs> so have you seen the, the original? The, were, the, the original creators were pretty scared that it was going to flop and that people were going to like laugh at the, because the, they, they had the suit, the guy in the suit, right, which was yeah. not pioneered by them, but perfected by them. And they were worried that, you know, if this movie isn't taken seriously, it's going to be kind of mocked. And this is such a serious, you know topic so glad it worked out for them right yeah I don't know if you've read the accounts of like the guy who was in the suit but it weighed like 200 pounds he couldn't walk more than like three feet at a time he kept falling down (laughs) in the original suit (laughs) well they had two of them and the first guy was like 15 years older than the other guy and got he like fell uh, on set one day and and the the other one lost 20 pounds during uh shooting because it was so hot in the suit it's like a sweat lodge yeah uh it's like uh, he was kind of, he was, uh, he's getting a schwitz every day. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Um, so let's talk about the first movie. Have you seen the original, the 1954? I have, uh, yeah. but I have to admit that I saw it dubbed. So, oh, so you um, didn't see the original. I, I don't want to get into that whole controversy, but. Yeah, I don't I know. It, yes. Do you think there's like a psychological relevance to dubbed versus I'm like sure, captions. but you're the psychologist. I'm, I'm the Godzilla fan, so maybe you should talk about it. You have a you have a psych major. I do. But, uh, uh, so does uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the 1954 movie. Do you know the 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 event, the real life event that inspired the making of the first movie? Are you familiar uh, with the Lucky Dragon incident? No, tell me more. Okay, so in 1954, uh, like, I'm gonna say like six months before Godzilla came out, um, there was an incident where a fishing boat called the Lucky Dragon Number 5, a Japanese fishing boat, was caught up in um, American nuclear testing near the Marshall Islands. So the nuclear test was called Operation Bravo, because of course it has to have like an imperialist name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was after the bombs had been dropped at Hiroshima. So this was like, we were still continuing to test nuclear bombs and um, the U.S. had not sent out, usually they send out like a warning that mm-hmm. a test is going to happen because there's like a zone you're supposed to stay out of. They didn't send out a warning and this bomb that they were testing was significantly more powerful than the like original A-bombs we dropped. So the blast radius went even farther than was anticipated. Sure. And so this fishing boat even though they were outside of the like original safe zone, then got caught up in the fallout of this test because it was so powerful. Um, and mm-hmm. as it had already been like a rough trip for these guys, like they hadn't been able to get much fish. And now all of a sudden, like nuclear ash is raining from the sky. As they made their way back to Japan, they all got radiation poisoning with like nasty, bur- you know, like everything you get nasty burns, getting sick. Um, and a few of the crew members eventually died because of the radiation poisoning. And the outrage about this event inspired a tuna fish boycott mm-hmm. in Japan because they were like, well, now all of our fish are full of radiation too because you're bombing like our fishing areas. Um, yeah. Fueled anti-American sentiment and fueled like a petition movement 
for Japan to kind of like cut ties with America. And this also was like two years after the Western occupation had ended because post-World War II, we put Japan in a timeout. They had to have like American babysitters. And this was in the period after America had pulled out. And so the Japanese population was like enough, like you've, you've done enough to us. Um, and sort of like the, the, the national sentiment and like the, the trauma of this event is really what pushed the makers of Godzilla to be like, we need to, we need to like tell this story. And so there are references to the lucky dragon in the first movie. Like there's a, an event with a fishing boat. Like I think they're the first victims yeah, of Godzilla. Yeah, the movie starts off. Yeah, so that's lucky dragon number five. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so and rough. then that, uh, what? Rough. <laughs> For sure. I would, I would, I would say that getting nuclear contamination from the Americans is uh, rough. Um, in the in the Godzilla in the 1954 in that first uh, scene, you don't see Godzilla, but you do see like he um, like you see on the characters' faces like those big bright lights. It almost mm. imitates uh, an explosion, and you know you don't see Godzilla for a while, but you see see the effects. And I imagine that this uh, what is it called the Lucky Lucky, lucky Dragon number five. I assume that there uh, was already pretty heavy anti-American sentiment in Japan. Uh, a timeout is maybe a maybe a loose way to say you know martial law yeah <laughs> yeah well, that's interesting yeah so i thought it was you know i mean we i think we kind of have this like cultural knowledge that godzilla is related to like the nuclear bombs and sort of like the impact that left on japan i like because in most of the movies godzilla shoots like <laughs> nuclear energy out of atomic his mouth breath, right yeah, yeah so <laughs> sorry, atomic breath <laughs> Um, but I thought it was so interesting that it's like Godzilla isn't wasn't just created out of like the dropping the bombs, but out of like a very specific incident that happened after the bombing. It was almost like we continue to be victimized by nuclear weapons, um, even though they're not being dropped on us. Just like the existence of nuclear weapons and the testing of them continues to like traumatize the Japanese people. Yeah, I think that one of the creators of the original. Uh, Godzilla referred to the threat of nuclear war as the invisible hand or um, the invisible blanket. I'm not talking about it. No, the invisible hand's always with you, right? Right. And um, I think that's something that the American movies really miss. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's obviously intentional because, you know, they're not, you know, you have to make yeah. a pro-American movie it's, if it's going to be a blockbuster but right. well, what it's able to what these the Japanese movies do and especially the, this first one is like the relationship between Godzilla and the nuclear uh, bomb is not a loose one nor is it a um, inconsequential one it's a direct relationship right the nuclear bomb depending on the version or the series either wakes him up or creates him mm, and gotcha. so it's like it's this relationship that the, the pinnacle of man's or, you know, technology that can literally destroy the world. You know, I like the versions where it wakes him up. It like, it wakes up this primordial creature. And, you know, these two things cannot live in, con- in, in harmony. They, mm. they, it's, a, it's a contradiction that can only be resolved through one of them dying. Either all the people, which Godzilla wants, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Godzilla or himself. Which, which all the people want. <laughs> Yeah, and I think in those, and when it's framed that way, where like Godzilla arises in reaction to nuclear bombs, I think then Godzilla takes on almost like a protector. I mean, and not fully protector because he's trying to destroy humankind, but like protector of the earth of like something is out of balance. Humankind has become, mm-hmm. has gone out of control and is is no longer able to maintain balance with the earth. So Godzilla is here to like eliminate <laughs> and, and protect the earth. Whereas when he's created by the bomb and he's like always connected to uh-huh. nuclear like nuclear weapons or or technology and either way either way the nuclear testing is messed up right like yeah the, <laughs> like this the sentiment is really clear either it bothers a giant lizard or it creates one <laughs> either way there is a giant lizard now funnily enough when i was trying to do the research for this episode and i just typed in godzilla to google scholar uh-huh. um Apparently, there is a lot of research in like the lizard world about climate change creating giant lizards. No way. <laughs> and they're called Godzilla. Is that like like monitor lizards or like 
just like I don't remember the like specific type of species, but there are lizards that because of the way that the like temperatures are changing on the planet are growing bigger than they're supposed to. And it's the Godzilla effect. <laughs> I, I, I would, I like to, I'm hoping that that is just a clickbaity title to get research funded that maybe climate change is going to lead, <laughs> it's already leading to a lot of really, really bad things. So I'm hoping a giant monster is not one of them. I mean, I think we need to get these lizards under control too big <laughs> sure <laughs> okay um now in the first movie and confirm if this is true because i didn't watch it but like the ultimate and this is spoiler alert for a 1954 movie um the way that godzilla is kind of defeated at the end is by one of the scientists has a weapon that's like even more powerful than a nuclear bomb is that right yes he creates something called the oxygen destroyer mm. which <laughs> destroys all the oxygen in the water and you yes. can put it in the water and it just it kills everything in, in sight right and that's kind of like humankind going like well, now we've invented an even worse weapon yeah but from what i've read he makes the decision to like end his own life and destroy all his research so no one else can make an oxygen destroyer is that exactly. is that consistent with godzilla's teachings <laughs> it, it is he makes you know self self-sacrifice at the end but you know throughout the movie it, he he could have busted out the oxygen destroyer as soon as godzilla pops up but he doesn't because you know a theme in the godzilla movies is that godzilla is part of nature and we should try to understand him before destroying him interesting and then there are the you know the military uh guys who are like no we should shoot him and kill him with our tiny little guns uh so yeah he actually um he revealed the audience is revealed to the oxygen destroyer but we don't see what it does just like we don't see godzilla mm. um, but we know that it's a really terrible thing and we also know it's a secret and then i mean any movie watcher might have a guess what will happen <laughs> <laughs> they, they really fill you in with the they give you the clues for you to put together sure you're not lost, yeah. yeah that's nice that they wrap that up for you <laughs> yeah yeah, but I thought that was interesting reading about that of like, um, you know, in order to defeat this monster that's either created or summoned by the worst weapon imaginable, we have to make an even worse weapon. But what are the implications of that? Of now we have something that could, because essentially if you detonate that in the ocean, then you kill everything, you kill the way of life for Japanese people too, because one of their biggest industries is fishing. So <laughs> like, I don't know, it's like a catch-22 situation when in defeating Godzilla. For sure, if we like take it back to you know the real world that th this movie is trying to respond to, you know the bombs were dropped. Um, you know, one not not even on the same day, right? You know, so they're dropped in succession, and then the effects are you know Japan is still feeling the effects, mm -hmm. um, the world is still feeling the effects. You know, how many nuclear powers do we have now? You know that they have a bomb just so another country can't do what what was done to japan so like these aren't like moments they're they're history changing courses right mm -hmm. yeah there it's we're always in a post-nuclear world where the threat of like annihilation which is a very powerful like psychological fear right that at any moment someone could end your entire existence yeah um, well ask any you know housewife from the 50s if uh that, 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 that affected them I don't, I don't know if i can ask them but well yeah let me know if you connect oh <laughs> I'll, I'll see what i can do yeah so and then from you know to bring it back to psychology right from a psychological perspective you know i think i think godzilla is sort of a way of continuing to process a natural national trauma right like this very traumatic event happened and like you're saying the effects of it are still with people like physically not just psychologically right like people are still sick like they get cancer more often like the the effect of radiation was passed down through generations but there's also this trauma and i think the number of godzilla films especially that have come out of japan like i think the american ones are a different thing but this is like the processing of trauma and this is actually a type of treatment we do for trauma where we have you process the narrative right to be able to form a linear cohesive story about your trauma because it impacts memory and, and attention and all these things. And so Godzilla is almost like a narrative therapy of we're telling the story of our people through a monster 
mm -hmm. right? Like displacing it from our, from ourselves, but telling the story over and over again. Um, and I, I think that's why, I think a sign of how powerful this trauma was is that it hasn't been processed, right? We're still making mm -hmm. these movies. Mm -hmm. um, particularly like when, when Japanese studios make these movies, it's still like a processing of this national trauma. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's interesting and not surprising that, you know, when America was, uh, you know, kind of running or, you know, the allies were running Japan, they, they weren't allowed to make these nuclear, mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to make a movie that, that referenced nuclear bombs. And I think in a way, America now is American filmmakers are unable to make a movie that really deals with the implications of a nuclear bomb. Sure, they yeah. can make a movie with cool special effects and, and all that, but what you're talking about with like, a very responding to a very real historical event they, they can't do it in the same way because they have to up up hide the other word obfuscate <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> they have to hide the true meaning of the, the true nature of the bomb right 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 and to in in american culture american perspective the bomb was like a necessary evil right like how many times have you heard people say that the war wouldn't have ended if we didn't drop the bomb and it's like well that's yeah. <laughs> you can only say that because that's the only reality we have like what if we didn't drop the bomb and the war still ended because it was going to end yeah the conflict was already like almost over um but so uh, like our national perspective on it has to be that we did this for the right reason mm -hmm. otherwise i think like your identity shatters you have to acknowledge the other side of it which is how much damage we did like lifelong damage yeah and, ima and imagine a, a godzilla movie or about you know that's dealing with the reality that all those hundreds of thousands of people died and were given radiation poisoning really to send a message to the soviet union like it was literally yeah. you know, that's what it was yeah it was you know a, a message like hey don't mess with us because you know the soviet union was you know they had just declared war on japan now that you know the, 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 the you know, nazism had been defeated and absorbed by the west <laughs> <laughs> and we and went so, to the moon <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um you know an american movie that actually grappled with that would be fascinating you know yeah. but instead it has to be boiled down to uh my dad was killed by godzilla so now i'm sad you know <laughs> yeah like a, and i also think that speaks to like individualistic versus collectivistic cultures right in the west we're so individualistic so the only motivation you can have in an American Godzilla movie is that like I personally am affected by Godzilla versus in like collectivistic and you know in Japan the story is that our our people our country was harmed and so we are in action mm -hmm. because Godzilla is killing our people very interesting I, I was thinking what you were saying about like you know America can't make this movie of I think about like how many World War II movies we do have yeah. and are about like Americans in Germany mm -hmm. like kicking ass basically right like yeah. I mean even all the way to like Inglorious Bastards where it's just three hours of like making, slaughtering Nazis we're making it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but like I don't I can't think of any like like popular movies that are about World War II involving Japan in, that that are told in the same frequency as the stories we tell about Americans in Germany because like that's a hero story right we did the right thing even though we then hired them all to be scientists yeah now they all worked for they all worked for NASA yeah. for 30 years but you know and they got the concept of eugenics from us but like whatever we right. gloss over that because look how many of them we killed and we freed so many Jews but like what's and the, the Jews equivalent that we didn't allow into the country during the war yeah <laughs> again we can gloss over that yeah, because yeah. we did one good thing but what yeah. can you say about like the Pacific front, right? Nothing. Yeah. We only did bad things there. Well, I mean, what do they, what do you hear about the Pacific? It's, you know, Iwo Jima. It's the like, it's the, you know, stories of bravery and, you know, uh, sustained fighting in the jungle, you know, in the jungles or in the, yeah. in the island. It's not the like massacre. Right. Yeah. So just I mean, I'm sure there's probably some hugely popular movie about World War II <laughs> <laughs> that neither of us have seen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch a lot of World War II movies, so yeah, that could be on minutes. me. <laughs> that could be on me. But anyway, so I wanted to talk about, I found this research about like the form of media that Godzilla is, especially the original movies where he was in the suit. Um, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, but it's called Tokuatsu, which is like a Japanese form of media that's live action, but relies a lot on heavy special effects. So like 
Power Rangers <laughs> is a type of this genre. Um, and so I was reading this article um, by Miyamoto written in 2016, where the author was talking about that this specific genre, this like live action genre, is the only genre in Japanese media where male perspectives about the nuclear, like the survivors of the nuclear bomb is told. And in most films, it focuses on like women survivors mm. because like, there was so much infertility, there was so much suffering because the women were the ones who were home, you know, like in country when the bomb was dropped. And so most media is focused around those narratives, but Godzilla is like uniquely about the male experience. Um, and the author kind of posited that that's why the movies are like so violent, like action oriented, because it's kind of like about this masculine reclaiming um, and processing of this trauma. Um, I just thought that was very interesting how the art forms are different in the way the narratives are told. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I haven't seen too many other films, but I've, you know, a lot of Japanese uh, literature, obviously, is a, you know, surrounding the, the fallout of the nuclear drop. So, you know, a lot of stories of infertility of, you know, classrooms, you know, the children and the women who are left mm -hmm. behind. Uh, but yeah, can't really tell that. You can't really tell a Godzilla story without a lot of violence. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the main character, Godzilla, is played by a man in a suit mm -hmm. from many of the original movies. So it's like a man who is obscured. So mm. We don't we don't see his like emotional reaction to the underlying themes, right? Like in in the movies where the women are centered, like we're we're seeing their emotional processing, but our main character Godzilla has no emotions, right? He's presented as like pure chaos, pure destruction. Yeah, pure pure energy, right? At some points in, in the movies. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so there was this quote from her in the article that said, in, in Godzilla, the irradiated male bodies are projected onto monsters and aliens that are ultimately destroyed. So as to allow audiences to detach from them and the nuclear concerns that they represent. So it's like for, for like male audience, it's like, projecting this this trauma and horror onto something other right like onto this beast that ultimately we do conquer right it's sort of like saying there is an end right like like Godzilla will be conquered um but for women it's like these very sad emotional stories where there is no there's no ending to your infertility right like you don't conquer that it just kind of is your life from from now on yeah and I think we were trying to talk about this a little bit earlier too when you know that what does the oxygen destroyer mm. or in the later movies the like freeze ray what does that you know say about what happens at the end of the movie you know after the end of the movie that we don't see um I think even though Godzilla can be conquered uh I don't think he can be uh eradicated or or mm. or uh you know left in, in history right he he just like the bomb was a single moment in history that will never die. Godzilla, you know, you can stop him, but he'll come back. Or in the later movies, he might even evolve into something even more powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in, the, in, in this context of like the masculine narrative of like, even though I thought I've defeated this fear, right? Or I, I thought that I've pushed it down. It will always come back, mm -hmm. right? There is no, there is no, we kill Godzilla and we heal it's we're always in waiting for Godzilla to come back. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, I'm looking through the, at this from like a Western <laughs> mental health perspective, right? But it's like, I think that is so unfortunately the case for men with mental health concerns, right? Is it's like, we push it down, push it down. Um, and it always comes back until you deal with it. I never do it. that. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that's great and normal. <laughs> no, but I, I, I yeah. Sorry, you're making a good point. But I, I just, that is the point, right? That it's like, I think, I think it kind of cross-culturally for men, there is this difficulty in being vulnerable and processing trauma in the same way that maybe we allow women to. And so in like a national media conversation, men can be like, well, I can represent my trauma as a monster that I kill um, mm -hmm. with this knowledge that it will always come back. And, and I think that's very like off-putting, right? Like you'd always be unsettled in that kind of narrative yeah it's it's the like conclusion without a conclusion yeah yeah and you, so you're stuck in the cycle there's no there's no way out yeah. which i think also mirrors like the cycle we are in in regards to like nuclear weapons right like there is no 
end because now many countries have them and there's always that fear of like one person sets it off like do you remember i think it was like two or three years ago that like accidental nuclear text went out in Holly in hawaii oh yeah i remember yeah yeah and it's like how real was that for people yeah like for to feel like in 20 minutes your whole world is going to be annihilated exactly and uh, so it's it's never gone even you know how many years later yeah i think even from like a commercial standpoint this idea of, of godzilla can't end is um even though some of the later japanese movies you know they stopped making godzilla in japan because they started sucking <laughs> but why can they keep remaking it is because of the threat we're talking about in the later american movies you see this is fabricated this because we know that well because in the american movies godzilla is our friend you know godzilla is on our side <laughs> we find that out later but like he's on our he's a good guy you know it's like it's fabricated so they make this like marvel cinematic universe which they call the monster verse <laughs> they're just like they're setting it up but it's like what are we talking about right now like we, you don't have to make godzilla scarier or like more permanent he is right. he is that you know and yeah. the, the filmmaker the american filmmakers know that probably more than us you know as people who just casually consume godzilla but because of <laughs> well like, you're not so casually well, <laughs> there are cycles <laughs> right right so that's interesting so i did just watch the trailer for godzilla versus kong that was like my preparation for this episode um <laughs> but in that the premise seems to be that king kong is on the american side trying to murder godzilla so I'm wondering if you've seen if you've seen this. Oh, I've seen that movie. I'm, okay. Uh, and that movie is so confused that it, <laughs> you know, Godzilla was on our side, and then now it's seeing. Oh, Godzilla is angry, and we don't know why he's angry. But <laughs> and so now we need King Kong to 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 fight Godzilla. But King Kong and God, listen, King Kong <laughs> has nothing on Godzilla, so he's getting he's getting absolutely worked. But <laughs> but why is God? <laughs> why is Godzilla mad? And it's, you know, it's, it's the issues with the American movies. Why, why is, you know, why is nuclear testing happening? Why are these like, it's because of the actions of one or two bad scientists, one oh. evil company who's making Mecha Godzilla, who exists <laughs> in the Japanese universe. But in this movie, he's just like a robot who like is, is super powerful. And okay. King Kong and Godzilla have to team up to beat him. Oh, so the ending is that then Godzilla and King Kong are on the same team. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Which what is the message there that like the natural world will always defeat technology? I guess. I guess you know, never never make anything. <laughs> <laughs> never do science. Well, really, the message is is that like there are bad scientists who do bad things, not that right. there are a few bad apples. There's a fundamental <laughs> issue with the way our our society values technology <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to create war machines right gotcha i just was i mean i watched like a two-minute trailer and i was just really upset by first of all how often they showed king kong in shackles which i was oh, like yeah. this feels very bad and then that the premise seemed to be that a very small southeast asian child is the only one who can communicate with a giant monkey mm -hmm. um I don't well, know. in fairness, I think that is set up in the King Kong movies, which okay, I haven't you... watched. <laughs> it's not for <laughs> that, you. That hasn't, uh, you know, caught my my eye yet. Gotcha. Well, this is a great transition because I did find some King Kong adjacent research to kind of prove the supremacy of Godzilla over King Kong. Um, so you're going to empirically prove that Godzilla rocks and King Kong sucks? Yeah, right now. Let's do it right now. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so King Kong comes out in the 1930s, right? It was like one of the first huge monster movies. Um, and they re-release it in the 1950s because I guess they ran out of movies to make. <laughs> um, and so when it was re-released in the 1950s, it was like, okay, audiences like these big monster movies. And this was at the time when Godzilla was being created. Um, there were also like a bunch of other giant monster movies being made at the same time, but like no one liked them. Like King Kong and Godzilla were kind of that they were it well the special um, effects director for godzilla was very enamored or like impressed by the king kong special effects right from the original 1930 movie um 
but so King Kong comes out again in the 1950s, right? Or 1950 is when they re-release it. Well, Godzilla can't be made until 1954 because of the Western occupation, right? They, they wouldn't be allowed to make that movie for four years. So, so Godzilla is like, it's percolating, right? Like mm-hmm. King Kong already is 20 years old because they made it in the 30s. So he's already old hat. Yeah, already off. license. And in King Kong, the original, he's just like a regular, kind of like a regular sized monkey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like maybe a larger than average, you know, but like he has to climb the building. Yeah. But Godzilla comes out and Godzilla is bigger and can just like smash whole buildings. So in a way, and now the research didn't say this, but this is my conclusion, that I think the Japanese were kind of working through a little, let's get back, at, let's process this like American occupation. And we made a monster that could squash your monkey <laughs> immediately and doesn't need to climb yeah. a building, can just walk in a straight line and do like thousands times more destruction than King Kong. <laughs> yeah. So I think that proves the supremacy of Godzilla. <laughs> and our and our monsters are obsessed with some girl. You right. Know, there's also that <laughs> there's like misogynistic element yeah. of King Kong. Yeah. Which I'm sure we can tie to racism in some way, right? Because it's like it's a white woman, monkey. It's bad. Isn't all movies made in America before like 1970 were like about how about that racist dynamic? All of them. The first movie, the first movie, Birth of a Nation. That was it was about that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. So I mean, yeah, I bet that 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 could be made. I haven't seen enough King Kong to uh make that 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 claim, but I've been in America long enough uh, <laughs> to make that claim in america for at least 20 years i could guarantee that well and it seems like now we've decided that king kong is the same size as godzilla at least from these trailers i'm seeing that he is considerably smaller but he's not monkey size (laughs) (laughs) he seems to be like larger than a building although they did just have him chained to like what seemed like a regular size barge yeah yeah spoiler they unchain him so he can fight well that's in the trailer and then he has an axe yeah, because we don't need to get into it, but he like goes under the world into the monster verse, and there's like a tool that he has that can harness atomic power or whatever. It's all it's nonsense. Now I know that Mothra is truly your your most your, your most passionate about Mothra. Is Mothra in the modern monster verse? Mothra. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> Let's talk about American misogyny again. You know where Mothra exists in the in the American movies? She exists as a martyr to to (laughs) she's this beautiful creature who's Godzilla's friend. She's on screen for like, I don't know, a minute and a half. And then like Godzilla's hurt. And so she like dissolves into him so that he can come back to life. That's it. (laughs) That is misogyny. Yeah, in the original, she's she's like she saves two imprisoned women. Like that's her job in the original movie. Right. I remember we have had this discussion offline <laughs> about the Mothra movie that you really enjoyed. Yeah, that movie rocks. But yeah, you want to give a quick rundown of it for, for everyone at home? Yeah. Well, there's this uh, evil guy who comes from like a country that's half the soviet union half the united states it's like a fictional country i forget what it's called and he like kidnapped they go to this island where there's all this weird stuff going on and he captures these two women who are like miniature and he was like i know what i'll i don't know what accent he had but he was like i know what i'll do with these girls yeah i'll pack stadiums and do (laughs) theater plays with them you know these two miniature women you can't see more than like five feet away (laughs) And so they're like telepathically connected to Mothra. And so Mothra is born out of her egg and comes and destroys the city for a little bit and then caps, you know, saves the two women. The tiny women. <laughs> the tiny women. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So is There's it a whole movie? Uh, that was another version I saw dubbed. Oh. Amazon, I thought, you know, they have all the dubbed versions. Another reason. Them, the girls, the girls. <laughs> We got to save the girls. Great detail to include. <laughs> now, is it established in that first movie that Mothra is like a female monster? Yeah, she's very, she's very feminine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Made a positive laughs> <one>. <laughs> I 
I just feel like Big Monster maybe doesn't have a gender identity. <laughs> maybe not, but I think... But it's coded feminine. Sure, yeah. Okay, but so then it seems like then the Americans in the modern reiterations take that to the next level. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, Lady Moth has to die to save a man. Yeah. After not, and it seems like she doesn't get to kick ass. She just. I think she off. does. She gets like a moment of kicking ass. She like fends off the like three headed dragon. Man, it sucks that I remember <laughs> all these details and like, <laughs> I can't remember my friend's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I did no preparation for this. This is just in my brain off the top. I, I know these things. This is part of being a disciple of Godzilla. Yes, you, have to, Godzilla. you have to be ready. Um, I love the dominant den- denomination is Godzilla, the sex is Mothra. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You're like an offshoot after the yeah. schism. <laughs> yeah, we broke from the church. Do you have any other thoughts about, I, I mean, this? we took a little tangent with Mothra, but she is tangentially related. But now, does Mothra have a specific, like, anti-nuclear theme in the same way that Godzilla does? Or is she just kind of, well, I guess, what does she represent? Yeah, I don't, I I think um, there is, yeah, because it was like the, there's stuff, weird stuff going on the on the island because of nuclear testing. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it does have that same like idea, and I think it also has the idea of like it has some of that like individualistic. Like there are some bad actors who don't know how to handle science, like this one evil guy, and then there are good guys who do know how to like um, respect science and nature, which is like a big theme. Um, I think it doesn't really grapple with like the way society is built up is why you know why we have these you know capitalism is the what the way we why we treat science as a as a you know a product rather than like research for developing the human race but you know you can't expect the, the author movie to get into that so it does the best it can Right. We have to remember that not all media is for all people and all stories. For sure. <laughs> you got to pick sure. and choose what you're representing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so just a few more things about the original Godzilla. And then I want to talk about the more recent ones that are post Fukushima. Um, but so I was reading this article that kind of, it was a very in-depth history of like the creation of the first Godzilla movie. Um, and in the article, they were talking about the first version of the script was about Godzilla was very animalistic so the original motivation for Godzilla was he was looking for food so there's lots of scenes where he's like eating out of containers like just trying to find food on the island well the man inside the suit is (laughs) he's like I've lost 20 pounds like yeah Yeah. I gotta I gotta gain some back um but the director and his his assistant his writing assistant slash partner went through it again and decided um, to take all of those references out and to make Godzilla just this just like purely unemotional like force of destruction and then Godzilla had no motivation besides destroying mm. anything in front of him so I thought that was a very interesting thing that they almost took like the empathetic elements out of it right that it's mm. like Godzilla is not an animal and not a man right <laughs> he is he is like a I guess like you said before a primordial force that cannot be understood so that was well, kind of where we ended up. Yeah, well, it's different than King Kong, right? King Kong interacts with individuals mm-hmm. maybe because he's like just a little bit bigger than them. But like, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he's the guy from the set. Yeah. <laughs> he's a gorilla whale. Yeah, big and tall. But yeah, King Kong interacts with individuals. Godzilla interacts with society, right? Let's see. In that same article, they also talked about how so I, I mentioned this before, right? Like, so King Kong is like basically a man size, mm-hmm. but Godzilla's impossible size adds this like weight to the themes that the film is trying to tell us in that, um, and you were alluded to this too, like the military's trying to stop him with with tiny guns, right? Like mm-hmm. he's so big that, that no weapon can, um, you know, hurt him. He's so unstoppable. Um, and so this author kind of posited that it's like nature itself is punishing man for playing around with science of like Mm. you created this thing that is not like the atomic bomb is not natural right like it's a manipulation of atoms and so Mm. nature is saying like get wrecked basically because you made this choice yeah that makes sense because like I I don't know the story of King Kong but I'm assuming it's not like it doesn't have the same 
gra- gravitas or gravity to you know like no godzilla is like yeah like we said he's either created or woken up by by this and it's a height of height of technology right even now i mean sure we have like phones and other cool stuff like uh computers <laughs> <laughs> but it, nothing can destroy the world you know, there's not the invisible blanket of phones you know there's the invisible right. blanket of nuclear catastrophe which right. you know the example of hawaii just a few years ago like it's still present yeah and it's i think it's so global now right like i'm sure the texture of the blanket is different in like in japan because it there's like real lived experience but for all of us like the invisible blanket covers covers the earth okay so all that to say that's kind of like that's like godzilla's origin story right and i think we've kind of touched on this but some of the later movies at least as we moved through like the 60s, 70s, they, they got a little bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there was a resurgence. Well, they lost their seriousness, right? Right. Okay. That, that's what Toho specifically said. So right? they lost their, you know, they weren't making the same statement anymore. They were just a commercial success. The last right. Japan movie was the most successful one, or one of the more successful ones commercially, but it was, it lost some of the teeth. Political. <laughs> The spikies <laughs> giant big teeth right and i think you you did allude to this when we're talking about mothra but it but like although the film is not making this statement about capitalism the sort of like reduction in power of the theme illustrates how capitalism like sucks like sucks out individualism like sucks out meaning in the in the pursuit of profit right and so we're churning out these godzilla movies to make more profit um even though they are indistinguishable from each other and they no longer adhere to the original message um, no. and so like we kind of lose the richness of godzilla because of capitalism yeah well i mean as our boy Karl marx said you know <laughs> capital is a vampire a soul-sucking vampire yeah right? and he's talking about the effect on the individual capitalist but you know capitalism ruins everything including godzilla fun stuff like godzilla yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knew that what would defeat godzilla was a vampire an invisible vampire if you will invisible vampire the capitalist mode of production yeah <laughs> so that brings us kind of up to a second i think like delineation in the timeline of godzilla which is the fukushima event mm. in japan mm. so if you're not familiar with us in in japan there was a it was like a nuclear um power plant had a like a catastrophic incident and i believe like nuclear waste like just leaked into the ocean like it was it was truly horrible um and and did a lot of damage to people in the same way that like the bomb had except for this wasn't like an attack this was from within the country i don't know do you have any more details about it or uh no i didn't know i was supposed to bring like real information <laughs> i just know the guys <laughs> You were nodding like you had more to say, but I, I was mean, nodding because I was hoping you wouldn't call on me. Like that's from school, man. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, no need. But, but all we need to know is that a nuclear disaster again happened in Japan, um, and after Fukushima, we have a new Godzilla movie come out. Now, mm-hmm. there's an American movie mm-hmm. that's post Fukushima. Well, there's I mean now there's several because as you've alluded to, the monster verse has been yeah. born. Uh, been but there's good there's the american post fukushima movies and then there was a japanese one which i believe is shin godzilla shin godzilla okay and i think you have thoughts about this so i'd love to hear them before i do any more research stuff yeah well shin godzilla is my favorite and i think it's like like if you're gonna watch one godzilla movie like you should watch this one because it's it's so well done and it's so you know i think we've kind of talked about it because it keeps coming up but you know in in the in the american ones godzilla is our friend and our ally and he doesn't need to be destroyed because he is controlled rage you know he's controlled destruction just like the narrative of the atomic bomb is supposed to be right mm. the atomic bomb is you know an, a, a man's achievement not man going too far you know in shin godzilla godzilla is constantly evolving and i won't give spoilers on this one because as Reese saying, I think if you want to see a Godzilla movie, you should see this one. 
but he's constantly evolving and he's his most destructive. Like he is so, and it's like brutal and it's like there's blood both from Godzilla and from people. Like it's really awful and I, or not awful, it's dope. <laughs> but I think, you know, what it does so well is the, the main issue in the movie is the, the bureaucracy. You know, one of our main characters is this young, somewhat idealistic politician who is presumably in public service to better the society, right? He thinks, you know, but he's, you know, there's this monster destroying his city and they can't do anything because they can't come to an agreement, right? Contrast that with, you know, Godzilla and the Americans, what's the issue? It's a personal thing. It's Godzilla killed my wife. Godzilla killed my dad. Godzilla was mean to me. The last one. <laughs> Godzilla cyberbullied me. Isn't a plot point. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a difference, right? Godzilla right. to, you know, my frustration is with my government and our inability to take care of its people versus my frustration is purely within my own mm-hmm. uh, life. Like there's no social um consequences you know besides seeing the buildings come down right and and in the context of post fukushima which is sort of like a government letting down its people right of like Mm -hmm. without proper regulation and safety precautions something like this happens and the government isn't able to protect its people that puts shin godzilla in that context in a much better way exactly yeah and i think it does it really really well i'm not like a film critic or anything but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it is because there's this there's this like par- uh paradox or this contradiction of like this giant monster looming over the city and then these business meetings you know these you know where you have to consult with the un and consult with because we can't fundamentally our governments are not set up to take care of their people mm-hmm. right and to always be pushing it onto the next step or to the mm-hmm. next person no one or is taking responsibility themselves. yeah yeah Yeah. get a gun because Godzilla's here run away (laughs) yeah (laughs) but we won't let you on boats or you know let you into shelter and and the 2016 uh, just like a a special effects thing is they actually use the 1954 roar like it's the same sound effect um they add some like screeching into it so it's a little bit more uh like scary but it is the original one I think which is like a you know a metaphorical return right to right the the, the politis, political nature of godzilla right right and and in response to this like commercialization where godzilla has lost its teeth yeah um sort of yeah, yeah. sent like recentering it in this in this tradition yeah. of godzilla yeah no, it was the, the most highest grossing godzilla movie ever but you know inflation helped with that too yeah yeah our money means nothing so <laughs> everybody's the next highest grossing <laughs> exactly um yeah so let's see i i had this article from cho in 2019 where they talked about the differences between like the post fukushima godzilla movie the american made one mm-hmm. um but so this author had posited that so post fukushima this american movie came out and then at the same time um a a museum in japan opened that was specifically dedicated to lucky dragon number five and Mm. and godzilla and so she kind of well actually i don't know the gender of this author so the author (laughs) kind of highlights these two events of that there's this american godzilla movie that is um you know any american movie is going to be unable to portray the messages about nuclear proliferation in the same way because it's through the American lens. And at the same time, there's this museum opening in Tokyo that is very personal to Japan, but doesn't get a lot of like attention worldwide, right? Cause like, why would we know about this museum? But like, and it's specifically dedicated to that event that inspired Godzilla. And mm-hmm. so it's like, as this American movie is coming out and Japan is reconciling with Fukushima, they are, they are coming back to the roots of Godzilla and sort of remembering this is why, you know, this is why Godzilla is so important to the Japanese people because it is this processing of, of this trauma that has now just been re-triggered uh, in, in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. But I just thought it was so interesting that it's like this tiny little museum, like I think had much more importance within Japan, whereas then the American movies like this big flashy thing and like you're saying, very individualistic, very far away mm-hmm. from the, the message of Godzilla. 
Yeah. Well, the 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 American movie, the the what is it, twenty fourteen? Mm-hmm. I think it was well received in Japan, maybe only because the nineteen ninety six one was such a disaster. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so like, they okay. were for anything. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that that is a good point because you know I think it's worth repeating. It's maybe it's like my only good point I came on here to make is like the Americans are fundamentally incapable. Of, an American filmmaker cannot make uh, a politically coherent Godzilla movie. Right. It has to be a blockbuster. It has to be diluting the story of Godzilla. You know, to of course you know a museum actually capturing the events that kind of inspired the move the original movie yeah has more political or more even cultural significance yeah so, really and and like we talked about with Godzilla being like this displacement for like male processing of the event Cho argues that um the American version of Godzilla is a way to displace the anxiety and mm-hmm. guilt about mm-hmm. the nuclear bomb um and to instead turn Godzilla into something to be consumed um as you know as separate from from maybe that guilt or anxiety that we should be (laughs) feeling when we encounter Godzilla well in literally one of the movies Godzilla is like dying or whatever and so what do the Americans do they drop another bomb on him because (laughs) he needs more nuclear power oh no super powerful and like he's like glowing and like oozing radiation and like we fixed him yeah we fixed it with more bombs yay (laughs) which is i mean it's not to say that like obviously like japanese politics are not like perfect right i think the 2016 shin godzilla illustrates that really well yeah right and even the like yeah you know it's a reaction to something that should have never happened but it's not like a you know it it still is what we're talking about this like fantasy of, of overcoming the bomb which is maybe not so um you know realistic yeah definitely um and you know neither of us are experts on (laughs) Japanese government (laughs) and policy decisions so you know this is all opinion and (laughs) yeah but we are maybe one of your listeners is I don't know (laughs) you can email me at psychmindedpod at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com but we are I think although maybe not policy experts we are in America, in this culture, and have absorbed and and understood it. Um, And I think why I wanted you to come on for this episode in particular was because I think we both are able to put this critical lens on this story, whether it's from like a political aspect or a psychological aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of reclaiming Godzilla, right? Is not just consuming and enjoying, although that is part of it because it is a movie, but of being able to understand the message that, that Godzilla has yeah definitely and knowing when it's lost that message mm-hmm. yeah able to identify the yeah i'm not making any value judgments on the american ones they're great yeah. <laughs> they're fun to watch godzilla and king kong beating each other up that's fun but yeah. uh you know what what does it say about the nuclear bomb it says everything to hide the reality of what actually happened in mm-hmm. hiroshima and nagasaki yeah well, that kind of wraps up the, I guess, the research that I had prepared, um, you know, and just to kind of, again, center this is when we consume media or when we analyze media from a psychological perspective, we're looking at like the archetypes, right? Like, what does this character represent? And I think we have done a good job of kind of laying out what Godzilla represents and what kind of the different iterations do. Um, but do you have any last thoughts or, uh, I know you're really recommending watching Shin Godzilla, but any other Godzilla recommendations? Shin Godzilla, I mean, the original one is so great and, and, you know, you can look at it and be like, oh, it's, you know, toys being knocked over by a guy in a costume, (laughs) but it's, it's dope. It's sick. It's like really well done. And it's like, there are plenty of movies with CGI that suck. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so if you can get past the special effects, the original one is definitely worth worth watching. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Watch the original and then immediately fast forward to Shin Godzilla. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Godzilla is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts about Godzilla. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope, uh, you know, when you do your Sopranos episode or your... <laughs> Uh, episode about uh, eating a whole gallon of ice cream by yourself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
have you invited me back on? Well, we already talked about depression in men, so I'll have to circle back. Yeah, part two. Part two. <laughs> see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe and review the podcast. Thank you and see you in the next episode.